pleasure of introducing Dave Knoll. Randy spent a lot of time in prayer to decide who to invite during this summer series and the order of which they came. So we are so excited to start this series with Dave Knoll, the amazing, <laughs> incredible, so, so gracious and kind. And so I want to, in that note, it's just really important for me to be able to say he's the director of ISSM, which is the Indianapolis Supernatural School of Ministry. We have some of our most powerful leaders came out of that school. And so if there is a place where you just feel like God is calling you into more, to go deeper, to be able to to really sit under for nine months an amazing man of God who loves Jesus and has an anointing and ability to impart that love and that knowledge of who Jesus is into your life. There is no one better than Dave Knoll. Thank you. Wow. I nominate Jacqueline full-time introducer. Just come and introduce us, like even at the grocery store. Here we are, Kroger. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody buys groceries like Dave Noel. <laughs> the gas station. Look at that man pump gas. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That's, that's very kind. Mm, my goodness, it's so good to be uh, with you guys today. And um, I'm excited about what God's going to do in, in our midst. Um, I can see a number of people are at the, at the race. God bless you. If you're listening at home by radio, uh, and uh, we're just so excited that you're here. And uh, I felt like uh, God gave me a, just kind of a general word for the church uh, concerning what, did he, uh, what he wanted to emphasize this morning. And I felt like um, he said that his tenderness was going to be manifest to the church today. How many of you know that God's a tender-hearted God? His heart is so tender. How somebody can be so strong, so almighty, and be so tender at the same time, and yet he is. There's a verse that I love that speaks of his tenderness uh, in Hosea, chapter 2, verse 14, Hosea 2, 14. And uh, you don't have to look it up. I'm going to read it out of a couple of versions here. Um, but it talks about Israel in her unfaithfulness. And um, she's, um, uh, but God's want, wanting to deal with her. But notice how he does it. Uh, this is the, the, the ESV version. I think that's English, English standard. I mean, uh, people in the central time zone have to read that one. But anyway, <laughs> therefore, behold, I will, <laughs> I crack myself up. So, so you, you don't need to laugh because I'll just do it for you. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. And bring her into the wilderness, watch this, and speak tenderly to her. Most of us, when we feel like God is calling us out on the carpet like this, we expect the back of his hand, not the palm of his hand. And he comes, and even if we're in a wilderness that we made for ourselves, you ever heard that that saying, you made your bed, you got to lie in it. Even if we made our own bed, 
God comes to us and speaks to us tenderly in those times. He's just tenderhearted. Surprises me lots with that, you know, his kindness, his tenderness, and, and the lightness of heart with which he comes to talk to me about serious things. I just needed to say that for you, some of you. Wow. Well, let, me, let me read this to you out of the uh, Message Bible. Hang on to your hats. This is going to be a wild ride. Now, the Message Bible, the same verse, Hosea 2.14, says it this way. And now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. And I'll court her. I'll give her bouquets of roses. I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into Acres of Hope. I almost wanted to break into Elvis right there, but I didn't. Heartbreak Valley into Acres of Hope. She'll respond like she did as a young girl those days when she was fresh out of Egypt. Isn't that good? So he's going to speak tenderly to you. And I feel like, uh, like I said in the first service, the that there may be some of you out there that you would call yourself a prodigal. You would say, I'm, I walked closely with God at one time, but now I'm not so close. And I've done some things that I'm not happy with, and I'm, I've, in my heart I'm not in the same place I used to be. And God, God is calling you. He's pursuing you. And he's going to call you into a place where he's going to speak tenderly to you. Mm-hmm. That's just how he is. He's tender. Ooh. I'm just going to let that. Wasn't that worship awesome? Well, man, it was so so good. So good. Ah, I love worshiping with you guys. Um, I just have this word of encouragement for Logan and Nancy. I just feel like you guys, that what I I see on your lives, you carry God so well. I mean, you're just amazing. Um, But I feel like there's there's an anointing like Abraham on you. This whole thing of friendship with God. And not only friendship with God, but the friendship that you have for each other, with each other. It's the foundation of your relationship. And it's beautiful. And God loves it. And I feel like he's just going he's gonna to multiply your fruitfulness through your friendship with him and with each other and with other people as well. And you're just like, you're just exporting what you already got going on in your own relationship. And it's, it's just going to get better. And I feel like you are, God's anointed you to take the orphans hearted and turn them into beautiful sons and daughters. And I feel like, like Abraham and Sarah, he's making you a father and mother of a multitude. Take that however you want. <laughs> you know, quiverful and all that stuff. But I feel like that it applies to the spiritual because he's, I see you just influencing tons and tons and tons of people and bringing friends, ooh, marvelous friends. And, and you're teaching people that it's not, a, it's not, about, it's not about serving their, their employer God. It's about, it's about relating to their friend God. 
And you guys do that amazingly well. And it's just going to get better and better. Whoa. Multiplication. So let's, uh, let's just reach out our hands. almost said reach out our hands. That would be a different thing. <laughs> let's, re- <laughs> let's reach out our hands to them. Bless them. We just bless what you're doing in their lives, God, and for the increase that's coming. The increase, increase, increase that's coming on their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <laughs> Whoa. I love it. Well, let's celebrate with those guys, shall we? Yeah. That's yeah. <clears throat> so good. So good. Well, it's race day, you know. So I was given three options, either talk about planting prayer, cultivating community, or mobilizing missions. That's the other one. And I just felt drawn to mobilizing missions, and so came up with this title, which you might have read in your uh, bulletin, which is, um, ladies and gentlemen, start your missions. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. I'll be here for another half hour. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, the, that's the name of it. And I actually have just one point that goes with this message, and I'm going to say it about nine ways. So uh, it's just... Uh, it's just fun serving God, you know. The, the Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> so, you know, that means we've got an option, right? You can serve the Lord with madness or sadness or badness. How many words rhyme with that? You know, all those, you can serve them. But, you, but serving the Lord with gladness is by far the best thing. It's the best thing. And it comes out of a relationship that, with God that's very close. And so my one point, my one point with my message today is that the engine of missions is intimacy with God. That's it. You're welcome. You may go home. The engine of missions of our mission is intimacy with God. And I noticed in this verse, I think the, the verse is Matthew 28. And this is how the Passion Translation, I love the way this reads. But it says, Then Jesus came close to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. What jumped out of me was, I mean, something, we call it the Great Commission, and it is great. The very first phrase in that, in that set of scriptures, it talks about what Jesus did. It said, then Jesus came close to them and said, and I just want to say to you, that it's out of our closeness to God that we most clearly hear the mission. He came close to them and said it. And living out our mission, is, is, it's best lived out in closeness, in close proximity to Jesus and fellowship, communion with him. So I found out from personal experience that not living close to God, and I've been walking to him, with him for 45 years now, uh, it produces some bad fruit. 
that I realized I don't want to produce in my life. So I want to talk about a few of those things right now and just kind of scream and holler about Jesus and then we'll wrap things up and root for your favorite driver this afternoon. But first, mission without in, intimacy with God produces some stuff that's, that's just not, it's just ugly. First of all, it, it, it produces a, the effect of working for God rather than working with God. No bueno. That's Spanish. It's, it's, an, it's no good to be working for God. I love what Mike Bickle says, that lovers outlast workers, something like that. Lovers outlast workers. When you're in love with God, then you have this sense of, I am working with him. We're moving together in this thing. Yeah, we're yoked together. That yoke is swinging and swaying back and forth right now. Because we're working together and we're enjoying each other. And it's out of that relationship that I'm working with him. So that I am just always have the sense that when I'm doing something, I'm doing it with him. I'm not doing it for him. I'm not saying, stand right there, stand right there, watch what I do. It's going to be awesome. I promise you because I am committed to you. No, it's like, ah, I'm just working with him. He's working with me. We're talking to each other. We're relating to each other. We're friends with each other. It's an amazing relationship. And it just gets deeper and gets better and better and better. Hello. This is, that's, that's a good point, Dave. All right. Number two is if we, do, if we try to do mission without intimacy with God, we find in our place of, uh, ourselves in a place of having to manufacture enthusiasm, Rather than having holy zeal that, come, that bubbles up from the inside of us. I've been to that place, you know, where I haven't been living particularly close to God, and yet I'm having to do something for him, and I'm just trying, trying to ratchet up the enthusiasm, you know. It's like, come on, Dave. <laughs> Yay, go fight, win, take stake. Come on, let's go. And it's, it's a manufactured enthusiasm that, that lasts about as long as my utterance just did. Just now, kind of just fall, goes over like a pregnant pole walter. And uh, so, so it's, far, it's far better to live in a closeness with God where the zeal and the enthusiasm comes from a place from the person who is a consuming fire. Our God's a consuming fire. And so we live close to him. Then that fire just blazes inside of us. And it's sort of just, it just supplies its own energy. And it's just like a, it's a renewable resource. It just keeps going. It keeps going and going and going. And we just have this, this energy. This is an interesting verse. It's not up there, but uh, this is free of charge. Paul says, for this purpose, this is, he's, it's one of his prison letters. He says, for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which is mightily at work within me. Now, he's in prison but he's saying, I'm laboring, striving according to his power. And the word power in the Greek is energeo or something like that. But it's the word we get our word energy from. So he is probably chained to a wall. But he's saying, I'm striving according to his power, his energy, which is mightily at work within me. Even in his limited circumstances, his crappy environment, he was in a place. Can I say crappy here? I did already, twice now. 
He's in a place where he is conscious of the energy of God working inside of him. Room, room, room. It's the Indy 500. I just thought I'd make that sound for you. You're welcome. It's like, room. it's inside of us, and it's like, oh, this is great. The power, the energy of God is inside of me. To be conscious, consciously aware of that is a beautiful thing. Manufactured enthusiasm stinks. <laughs> but really, holy zeal is just amazing. It's just wonderful. It just gives us the ability to do more than we thought we could do and do it with better effectiveness and fruitfulness than we ever thought we could do it. And then, mission without intimacy makes delight turn into duty. Oh, the only duty I like is howdy duty. See what I there anyway? It's bad. Howdy duty. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, uh, it's t- tough crowd. <laughs> I tell you what, it's so much better to serve God out of a place of delight than than just a place of oughts and shoulds. You know, I probably should pray. I probably ought to go to church. I probably should go out and serve and do this. I probably should walk the neighborhood because the whole church is doing it. I don't want to be the one who doesn't walk a mile. Randy and Jane are walking 9,000 miles. I should at least walk one. You know, living from the place that place of oughts and shoulds and all that stuff, phew, man, that, that wears out pretty fast too, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's better to work from a place of delight. Now, here's the, de- here's the deal. I used to read that verse in Psalm 34 where it says, uh, 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 delight, oops, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hot dog, that's the key. If I delight myself in God, that's how I'm going to get stuff from him. You know, that's what the Bible says. He'll give, give you the desires of your heart. And it's like, all right, how do I delight? Okay, let's get started. Dave, start delighting. All right. You're amazing. <laughs> How was that? Good start. You're cool. You're, I love you. Yes. You're great. I'm not making fun of that. I'm not, I, I'm not making fun of, of, you know, just by a, a choice of our will. That same Psalm 34 starts out. I will bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, you know, sometimes we have to, by an act of our will, do the thing that we know we should do. And sometimes we do it it when we feel like it, and sometimes we we have to do it until we feel like it. Oh, that's a good word right there. So, but I'd rather live in a place where I am conscious of his delight for me, and my consciousness and my awareness of his delight for me produces delight toward him because when you realize god delights in you oh man that's next level christianity right there that's awesome i we got several we got four grandchildren two of them live here and two of them live in arizona and uh we had to we got to we didn't have to we got to keep uh two of them while their parents were in europe and uh here recently and we had uh, little juliet who's three for uh, several days, and then her brother came and joined, her almost nine-year-old brother, came and joined her at our house and for another few days. And we just, we just had a great time. And I, when I t- we took them back to their rightful owners, I told my son, I said, 
If I wasn't bonded with these kids before, I really am bonded now. And I was, you know, so, you know the deal. You, grandchildren are wonderful. You know, like years ago, we, we went to our, our kids and said, uh, we've been to the doctor, Sandy and I, and your mom and I, and he says, there's no medical reason why we can't be grandparents. <laughs> Ball, your course. Uh, anyway, uh, we really didn't have to say that, though. <laughs> they were doing the work. Yeah, they were doing, they were doing work. So anyway, uh, that's probably TMI, but anyway, uh, so uh, I got these pictures now, you know, new pictures that we've taken the grandchildren. We get pictures of the ones that are in Arizona. It's like, oh, man. And I look, I'm really literally looking on my phone at pictures of my grandchildren, our grandchildren. And there are times when my heart is so filled with delight. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are parents and grandparents. I have to look away from the phone. I have to just put it down because I can't take anymore because, you know, sometimes you are filled, you're so filled with that sense of goodness that like it just gets too much for you, right? It's like, I, I can't stand it anymore. It's wonderful. It almost hurts, but it's great. It's glorious. It's wonderful. I so delight in them. I delight my children too, but that, you know, when you have grandchildren, God, God, says, chamber four of the heart is now open. It's like you didn't know you had a chamber four, but there's a kid in there. You know, the chamber five is open for business. So you got another kid in there. It's like, ah, I feel my heart swelling. I didn't know my heart had this much room in it. Whoa, man, it's awesome. Like, which is your favorite kid? Ah, I can't say. All of them are. Everyone individually, all the time, same time, simultaneously. It's like cherry and grape popsicles, same. They're, all, they're both favorite. You'll get home and you'll laugh. But anyway, so I'm just thinking, you know, Psalm 139, the psalmist says, How precious are your thoughts toward me. How vast is the sum of them. Like there's so many of them, they're uncountable. Your precious thoughts toward me are uncountable. (sighs) And then you, you open your heart up a little bit and then God starts to talk to you about the precious thoughts he has toward you. And it's like, oh man, school's out. It just wrecks you. When you find out how much he delights in you all this time. In fact, I feel like I'm talking about somebody in in here. I'm not going to, I don't know who they are, but some of you, somebody in here feels like they're disgusting. And I just want to tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. You're delightful. Your daddy in heaven delights in you. And when you start feeling that delight, that delight starts to, that realization starts hitting your heart and you start accepting it and believing it and thanking him for it. Thank you for delighting me in me. Thank you, God, that you delight in me. Thank you that you can look at my picture and you never have to turn away because you can take it. You delight in me so much. It never causes your heart to, to explode. It just whew, beats like this for, for every single person in this room. God delights and then it's not hard for me to delight in God. Like, it's time for worship. Awesome! I'm there! 
Why? Because I've been living in the reality that I'm delighted in by my, my daddy God who loves me so much. And he's thrilled with me. That doesn't mean that he approves of everything in my life. It just means that he delights in me as a son. And that's never going to stop. Mm. Selah. God. It's so good. Wow. Intimacy with God produces that sense, that ongoing sense of delight that is, helps that engine of missions to work and run at peak efficiency. If you go in the pits, don't stay there long. All right, next, next thing is it, that when we, we do mission without intimacy with God, we begin to rely upon our gifts more than his presence. God gives us gifts to do ministry with, and he graces us with various abilities from him. And the Bible says in, in Romans eleven twenty nine that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So once he gives it to you, never takes it back. So you have his gifts, which means you can operate in his gifts whether you're intimate with God or whether you're not. But the difference maker for us is his presence. It's his manifest presence. It's, his, it's the sense of his presence that he can gently just go on us and he can move us over. Move us this way. Move us that way. He can just gently breathe on us. And he can make our ministry so much more effective and fruitful. Ministering by your gifts will bear fruit. But ministering by, from the place of intimacy and closeness with God is so much better. It's awesome. Can somebody say amen out there? Anybody? Anybody? So his presence is everything. You know, I I just feel like God, God uh, put a call on my life a while back and said, I want you to make, I want you to make disciples of my presence. And it's not, it's it's really disciples of his presence, just making disciples of Jesus because his presence is him. His presence is him, right? But sometimes in our our thought process is we get it kind of mixed up and we could begin to relate to him according to, to his principles and concepts rather than to his person. We need to be able to relate to the prince of the principles. Right? He's a person. And he has opinions. In fact, he's quite opinionated in all the wonderful ways. He's an opinionated God. He has opinions on lots of stuff. I just feel like from the Lord that, that I would need to challenge you to ask God more questions. And say, well, I'm not getting answers to the questions I've already asked. Keep asking. I think there's a thing, a thing in the Bible about that. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Everybody who asks receives. And everybody who seeks finds. And everybody who knocks, the door is open. Rely upon his gifts instead of his presence. The next one is when we minister out of a lack of intimacy, we lose our why, and eventually we may lose our way. You know, the sense of why, the sense of why we're doing what we're we're doing has to be centered in our life. It has to be centered upon 
the person of Jesus. The Bible says that no, there's no other foundation that anybody can lay other than the one that's already laid, Jesus Christ. He is central, and ministry comes out of that relationship, that closeness with him. And when we, we start to veer away, I know when, at times in my life over the last 45 years when I have not kept current in my relationship with him, where I've not nurtured and nourished that closeness with him, where I open the door and I say, come on in, Jesus. And he says, would you, he says, mind if I take a look around the place? And I go, have, have at it. Mi casa, su casa. I'm so Spanish today. Right? And he likes to come in. He likes to look around and he likes to make suggestions. I feel like that chair would look a lot better. You know, And when we, we, when we lose that sense of connection with God, we forget why we're doing what we're doing. And then our motives become messed up. And the Bible says that we're supposed to be doing what we do out of, from love, from a pure heart. Yeah. And staying connected intimately with him keeps the flow of the spirit in, in, in our inner being so that he purifies. He says, ongoingly purifying us purifying, separating out bad motives, wrong things, and he's keeping that thing, that flow pure out of our heart. Love it. Don't you love this message? I, I think I'm doing great. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was thought about engaging in some false humility, but then somebody would call me on that. Next, we transition from being led to being driven. Oh, this is huge, isn't it? Wow. There's a big difference between led, being led and being driven. Sheep are led. Cattle are driven. There's a big difference. Do you know what I found out in my, my life? I get to be led by the spirit of peace and joy. Like it says in Isaiah, you go out with joy and be led forth with peace. What happens when you do that? The mountains and the hills. That's the rulers, big and little. They break forth with singing before you and all the trees of the field. Everybody says, look, who's coming? A person being led forth by peace and joy. I feel like they might have good news for me. John Wimber, you know, you might remember that guy, vineyard guy. He, he said, you can't, you can't bring the good news when you are the bad news. <laughs> right? Grumpy Christians need not apply for the job of propagating the gospel. <laughs> so, I lost my place. Yeah, we transitioned from being led to being... Driven. You know what? I found in my life that what drives me, when I'm in that place of drivenness, you know how I know? This is how I know. When anxiety and fear are the motivating forces, they are driving me like a cow. How now? Bad cow. Don't be driven like a cow. 
or a steer. <laughs> We're Chick-fil-A people around here. <laughs> but I digress. Oh, yeah. Don't be driven by that stuff. And when, I, when I'm in that place, I just got to get back to that place of peace. I got to offload some stuff, some junk I'm worrying about. To say, ooh, cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. Just keep casting until, until the anxiety dissipates, till it goes away. Don't try to manage the anxiety. That also, no bueno. Managing anxiety is like, like taking a rabid dog and saying, sit in the corner. <laughs> well, if it sits in the corner, it's still there. And it's poison to me. You've got to get that, that dog out of the house. Anxiety and fear, please, please. Oh, I'd much rather be led with peace and joy. It's so, it's so good. I'm just here to say, it's so good to be led by peace and joy. Some of us are so much in our heads that it's, that it's just scary. It's scary. I know we're supposed to lead, love, our, love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and gizzard. So we are supposed to love God with our mind. Yes, I love it. I love a mind that's completely surrendered to God and we're loving from our mind. But the heart, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. It's out of the heart that we live. The real stuff comes, the stuff of life and ministry. And so I need to be in a place of peace. I said this to the, to the prophetic class that Marvin and I get the delight of uh, teaching on Monday nights, except for tomorrow night. This is a commercial. Um, but we, but we, do, we pick it up again a week from tomorrow, right here. <laughs> 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Central. Anyway, brought to you by PetSmart. Anyway, I have to stop myself sometimes with that stuff. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, the, right, the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Peace and joy. I've heard something about peace and joy earlier. Oh, yeah, I said it. But anyway, peace and joy, the kingdom is two-thirds of the kingdom is an altered state. That just delights my heart. Two-thirds of the kingdom is an altered state. How many of us live perpetually in a state? Of peace and joy. That should be it. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Shalom. He is full of peace. He is not worried about anything. And he told us, don't you worry about anything. I ain't worried. Why are you worried? I'm, I'm just bringing it. <laughs> it's true, right? I'm not worried. Please, don't be worried. Trust me. This is going to work out. It's, it's going to work out. Just trust me. I'm, I, know I'm, I know I'm belaboring this, but I think I'm supposed to. Because God wants us to live in a place of peace and joy. Man, when I get around Christians and they seem very intense, very committed to the Lord, but the, I, I'm looking for the joy, you know, like, Looking around, I'm doing the matrix thing, you know. Where's the joy? I'm not finding any joy anywhere. I've been watching for a while. 
You know, I understand there are things that we go through, and I'm not saying that we should be happy clappy all the time. But I'm just saying that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Whew. And we, we, you should go out with joy and be led forth with peace. That's what I'm saying. It should be a normal feature, not a bug. It's a feature, not a bug. You know, not an exception, but the rule. By, root, by the rule, I live in peace and joy. And occasionally, I swerve in anxiety and fear. And then I slap myself in the face. And I say, get back over there under the spout where the glory comes at. I'm being simple, really, and childlike for a reason, you know, because, believe me, I could be theological. <laughs> but I just feel like sometimes we, we just try too hard and we're trying to adhere to a religious form and, and it doesn't work for us. I just, we just need to be real. Going on, we become people... Uh, people become the means to an end rather than the focus of our affection. Oh, I've been there. How many of you have been there? Don't raise your hand. But it's like, whoa, not living close to God. Then all of a sudden, rather than being, you know, letting the delight of God toward me become a delight toward others. I mean, I don't really get, begin to feel God delights in me. I can truly delight in other people regardless of their flaws. And foibles and warts and all that stuff. I said the other night, Monday night, that I used to think, man, I know a lot of people in my life that are eccentric. I've got a lot of eccentric people in my life. Then I thought, project much? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the common denominator is me. (laughs) I are eccentric. I realize, you know, everybody has oddities, don't they? And quirks and weird things about them. I know I got tons of them. And if you wait for somebody to come along to, to delight in because they seem normal to you, you may be waiting a long time. No, our, our delight is in the, the infinite value of the human person created in the image and likeness of God, saved or unsaved. Find a way to delight in people. Why? Because he delights in me, and I, 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 I'm just like I'm so overwhelmed by it. I, I just got to get rid of it. Some of, some of it. Oh, I got to, I got to put some on you. You know, I delight in you. I don't know why. I just feel so good about you. You know, and then and then people are not the means to an end, or the, or, or 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 a means for me to feel successful or feel good about myself. There's love without strings attached. You know, there's, there's two doors, in, in the, at least that I know of in the book of Revelation that are talked about. One is the one where John sees this door open in heaven and he hears a voice saying, come up here and uh, I'll show you some stuff that's going to happen. The other door is in Revelation 3.20. We hear that preached by, in uh, uh, evangelistic messages a lot of times, but it's really addressed to the church. And it's the, the door where it says Jesus is standing at our door and it's knocking. It said... Any man, woman, opens the door, I'll come in and sup with them. Fellowship with them. God wants to have fellowship with us. I mean, he's not here just to use us. I mean, I, I want to be used of God. I mean, that's not a bad phrase. I'm just saying he doesn't want to use me like you use a, a knife or a fork or a spoon. 
It's different because we are joining him in his work. We're, we're joined to him. We're one spirit with him. I don't know where he's, I end and he begins sometimes. One time I went with a, a friend of mine to a, to a restaurant and he's, and I've never heard of this before. And he says, uh, I'll have a, yeah, I'll have an Arnold Palmer. And I'm going, Arnold Palmer, that sounds like a mixed drink. <laughs> My friend, he's, you're just right in front of me. You're having a mixed drink. <laughs> and I found out what it was. How many of you know what an Arnold Palmer is? Most of you do. I, however, am dumb. And so I didn't know what it was. It's, it's, it's lemonade and tea, right? Lemonade and tea together. When you put lemonade and tea together and you start to drink it, you cannot tell where the tea ends and the lemonade begins. Right? Why? Because they're together now. The two have created something completely separate and different from them, what they were separately. And yet they're united as one. And then, did you know the Bible says that he is joined to the Lord as one spirit with him? You are an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> you are. You're so good. You're so refreshing. Man. I love it. You know, sometimes, you know, when we have this open door policy with God, where we, like, we hear him knocking, and then we open the door, my advice is just leave the door open. Rather than have to have him come back and go, here again. (laughs) You didn't keep it open. What's the deal? No, I would just say leave it open and be good. But if you leave it open, don't be surprised if you see him walking in often, looking around, messing with stuff, wrecking your shop, changing things around, doing a little interior decorating. He's, He's just like that. He just likes to beautify the meek with salvation. That's what it says in the Bible. He just likes to keep making us more beautiful from the inside out, which is the difference between real Christianity and religion. Religion tries to make you beautiful from the outside in, but relationship with God inside out. So that's why he insists on the door staying open. He just loves to walk in, sometimes unannounced. You know, he just comes in like, who do you think you are? (laughs) I think I'm God. Good point. You know, sometimes I, I, uh, I leave the door wide open in worship, you know, and then Jehovah sneaky, he just comes in during worship. He just, he just does. He just sneaks up on me. And before I know it, he's saying something to me that he knows I'd be uncomfortable with in any other setting or circumstance, but he's taking advantage Taking advantage of me. I don't appreciate it. In a time when I'm worshiping him. I know I'm worshiping you, Lord, but don't come in the door right now with something that I'm not expecting. I was standing right back there a few months ago. And I think I told you before, uh, some of you, that God said to me, I'm going to show you how insecure you are. That made me feel insecure. (laughs) But I walked with God long enough to know that what he's talking about is, Dave, there's some places in your heart that are not dominated by my love. Because insecurity comes out of fear. And where love is perfected, fear gets, has to take a hike. And so does insecurity. So I'm cooperating. 
It took me a while, but I'm cooperating. Just say, okay, God, point it out to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, through the day, that came from insecurity. Right over there, that came from insecurity. Okay, okay. But I left the door open. Silly me, I left the door open, and he just came in, started talking to me, messing with me, with me about stuff. And the other day, he says to me, I want you to start asking Sandy what she thinks about everything. And the women in here are going, oh, my gosh. Uh, the men are going, you can shut up now, Dave. Stop the message. I want to get off. Um, and, I, and I, my argument to him was, well, you know, I ask her about some things. But he said that, I know he had to talk to me in absolutist terms. I want you to ask her what she thinks about everything. Because he knew that if he wasn't absolute with me, that I would think of exceptions. And um, he's a pretty good lawyer. So I said, okay. And then, I, and then in my foolishness, in my foolish heart, the place where foolishness resides, and it's not been kicked out yet, uh, I thought, Oh, well, that's so nice of you, God, for Sandy's sake, because then she'll, she'll feel it'll build her up for me to ask her opinion of things. And he said, no, it's not to build her up. It's to build you up. I said, oh, you went there. <laughs> you went there like, and then I realized, you know, Sandy has things to say that you need to hear, Dave. If there's any advice after almost 44 years of marriage, 44 44 in August, after 44 uh, years of marriage, I would say to, to men, listen to your wife, three rules. And it's number two, listen to your wife. And number three, see rules one and two. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I came into our marriage with a, this kind of like um, air of superiority. Yeah, just feeling like, you know, if any, any, anything bright is going to come out of our home, are brilliant. It will come from my golden lips. <laughs> I will give the world what they need. <laughs> Sandy, thanks for your help. But anyway, <laughs> and then I realized after a, you know some stu- stupid things, like get the spirit of stupid on you sometimes, you know. And I got the spirit of stupid on me, and and. Uh, and I would fail to heed or listen to or seek out Sandy's thoughts on given subject, realize that God's really, 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 he's really smart. And if you're not married, you know, it doesn't have to be your spouse that you seek out for advice because none of us are an island. Somebody ought to make a quote like that. But anyway, no, no person is an island and we, we can't live our lives, we can't thrive apart from other people. We cannot thrive. It can't just be me and Jesus working it all out. Me and Jesus worked it all out, man. And now, you're welcome, world. You know, because a lot of what happens in our lives is good, that Jesus does in our lives is in relationship with one another. Seeking God, becoming intimate with God doesn't mean we shut ourselves in with God and we have nothing to do with people anymore. No, because when we get intimate with God, we'll find that he's all about people. That the gospel, the kingdom, all of it, it's for people. 
He's in love. And he just can't help himself. That was good too. And then finally, if we don't have an intimate walk with God, sometimes we rationalize our compromise. Because what we permit, we empower. Ooh, that's too convicting. Let's move on. But no, really, really. Closeness with God prevents us from getting into a place where we make compromises in our walk with God and find ourselves making excuses and we're renaming, renaming what it is we're compromising about so it doesn't sound quite as bad. You know, Chinese proverb says that the beginning of wisdom is to call a thing by its right name. And Holy Spirit, how many of you know this is true? Holy Spirit is so good at identifying a problem with pinpoint accuracy and calling it exactly what it is. Say, you know, we might say potato, but he probably says potato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. You get the, let's call the whole thing off. Anyway, <laughs> you know, he, he likes to call things what they really, 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 really are delivers us. So my exhortation as we begin this summer of mission and planning prayer and cultivating community is let's, in the words of someone else, keep the main thing the main thing. Our intimacy with God and this wonderful place of delight, this wonderful place of being supremely loved by a God whose love we cannot comprehend, but somehow we get to experience. Mm. So, I'm going to sing a song now that, uh, and Sandy's going to come and join me uh, to sing the song. <laughs> Back in um, about two, 2000, yeah. Lord, grow her to be as tall as Jacob. <laughs> The anointing of Jacob. That was Jacob's mic. Oh, that's yes. why I can't stand yes. that. Yes. Behold, he, he is very altitudinous. Do I turn it on up here? Do I turn it on on here? No, it's turned on already. Check one. Josh two. is all over it. Check. Yeah. He's all, there he is. So back in 2000. Could I have some more? more? Yeah, more in the monitor. Can I hear more? Through the monitor? Check one. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Back in 2000, um, we moved to Florida. I told this story last time I spoke, I think. But ministry fell apart right off the bat. Now we're, we're stranded a thousand miles from our family here in Indiana, home, everything. And, and in a desperate condition, just like, what do we do now, God? And it forced me to, and us to, to go give one to a place where we were just seeking God. And it was out of that place where, that this song came. In fact, you can just go ahead and stand because we're going to close with this. We're going to have the ministry team come up. And if you want somebody to pray with you about just reconnecting with God or deepening your intimate relationship with Him, then the ministry team is here to pray. But if you would like to just connect with God, you and God, that's fine too. You can come up and just use this this front place as an altar just to, just to seek His face. Reconnect with Him and allow Him to speak tenderly to you even if you're in the desert.
going to put the words up here in case you would like to sing along. It's called You're Here. Feel free to come up anytime.
into a relationship that's better than anything we've experienced on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.